Once my soul was astray from the heavenly way, I was wretched and vile as could be, but my Savior in love gave me peace from above when he reached down his head. nearing despair when he came to me there and he showed me that I could be free then he lifted my feet gave me glory complete when he reached down his hand Savior reached down for me when he reached way down for me I was lost and undone without God or his son when he reached down his hand for me how my heart does rejoice when I hear his sweet voice in the tempest to him I then cling there to lean on his arm safe secure from all harm when he reached down his hand for me when Savior reached down Amen. Aren't you glad he reached down? That's awesome. That was a great song and tremendous message. Amen. Well, we've been in our series and we've been talking a little bit about mysteries. And uh, today we're going to kind of conclude that section by looking at our sixth and final mystery tonight. And uh, so take your Bible and look over to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tonight. Of course, we learned right off the bat that we're simply stewards, and uh, it says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. We're going to be stewards of those mysteries, and a steward is somebody that's given something valuable to take care of on behalf of someone else. In this case, it would be to take care of something of his master's. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and I know that's not where you're at, but it's talking about stewardship and uh, a steward. Uh, we're to be stewards of the mysteries of God. But I'll tell you what, as we have failed to be good stewards of the mysteries, we've allowed a lot of false doctrine and 
a lot of problems to insert themselves into our culture, our society, our lives, our families, our churches even, and that's a problem. But these mysteries are things we're to be just guard and we're to protect and to be good stewards of. We talked about the first mystery, the virgin birth, God manifest in the flesh. The second mystery, which was Christ in you, the hope of glory. The third mystery, we said, was the Lord Jesus Christ and His bride being one flesh. And then the fourth mystery, we said, God and Israel, that was a mystery, that He's not through with Israel yet. The fifth mystery, the mystery of iniquity or the mystery of the Antichrist, Satan incarnate. What a mystery. And of course, mysteries are things we can't really explain. There's, not, there's no way to kind of wrap them all up. There's no way to make them simple or put them in a box. And God says, listen, there's some mysteries, and you're going to be a steward of those mysteries. So today we want to conclude, and we want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. And as soon as we start reading, you'll go, Wow, I know about this. I don't know that I would have said it was a mystery, but uh, the Bible says so. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Father, we come to you, we ask, Lord, you just bless us tonight as we consider this last and final mystery of ours tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would just give us insight and may we be encouraged and uplifted. Lord, may we learn something that will inspire us to be better for you. Not necessarily to do more, but to do what we do better. To be better for you. Lord, may our walk and our relationship with you draw close. May we realize, Lord, as your coming is drawing nigh, may we draw nigh to you. Lord, we love you now. We need you tonight. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Allow me to be your mouthpiece. Fill me with your Holy Ghost. And be with every listening ear. May our hearts, Father, be stirred tonight by you. Alleviate the distractions and help us, Lord, these next few moments to focus on you and your word. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Now in verse 51 of the passage, we note a very simple little statement. It says, Behold, I shew you a mystery. And right off the bat, we're being told this is a mystery. Well, what's he going to tell them? I mean, what's he going to share? What is this mystery? And as he moves ahead in verse 51, he says, Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Now, 
That phrase doesn't simply mean rest or weariness. It's speaking of death. We're not all going to die. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to see how the word is used in another place, and in this other place we're addressing and dealing with the same subject matter, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice how he uses the word here in this passage, sleep. In our passage, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 15, excuse me, um, in this passage as we look at it, we're going to note a couple of ways it's used. Look at what it says in chapter 4, verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Notice the word asleep, and he says sleep again. Now in the context, it's pretty clear that he's not talking about those that are taking a nap. Those that had gotten weary in work and thought, well, you know, before supper, I'll just kind of take it easy for about 30, 40 minutes. He's not talking about those who came home from church in the afternoon and said, man, I'm really wore out for some crazy reason. I think I'll just lay down for about an hour before church starts that night. He's talking about those who have already passed on in our, from our standpoint, the way we see things. Now again, he's talking about those that have so-called died, if you would. And yet in this particular passage, in our, our verse 51 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, we shall not all sleep. What he's saying is, we're not all going to die. Again, the person in Christ Jesus may be dead in our estimation, but God paints another picture that is more accurate concerning his children. He characterizes them in this passage, as we said, as simply being asleep. Now, the moment a person places their trust in Jesus Christ, they have eternal life. In John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we understand that all humanity, that all humanity lives forever in the sense that they they, they are living souls. However, not all will live forever. Some will die forever, if you will. Those that are in Christ Jesus are living forever, where those that are out of Christ will not. They'll be in a place called the lake of fire, separated from God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit forever and ever and ever. That's considered eternal death. In this case, we are seeing that there are basically those that have spiritual life versus spiritual death. And that's important to understand. And so he says here in the passage that they're simply asleep. I'm showing you a mystery. You can't explain it. You may not understand it, but it's a truth nonetheless. We're not all going to die. Kind of like that, don't you? I'd surely like to miss that one. That's one appointment I don't want to have to keep. And if the Lord tarries is coming, we'll all meet that time in our life. But if he 
decides to come back soon, well, we can maybe miss that one. That'd be all right, too. I'd like that. But notice he goes on to say in our passage, and uh, if we go back now, if you would go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 51 again, he says, Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die. But we shall all be changed. We're going to all be changed. Now, I think it's also important here to recognize that in the believer's life, the very moment that we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, change came. No, in this case, he's talking about uh, verse 51, but we shall all be changed. Well, we've already been changed. If you're a child of God today, you've been changed. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's a pretty big change. And that change takes place the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's amazing, isn't it? I was talking to my son the, uh, just today, I think it was, and I, I told him, it's amazing how many problems we could avoid if we just remembered how bad it was before. I was kind of talking about how I said, you get out on a little boat or, uh, or something, and, and, and I was talking about, I said, it's kind of like, people are kind of like this, it's kind of crazy, but you know, you get in that boat and then you decide to jump off into the lake, and as you jump into that lake, there's all that seaweed growing up, and it tangles around your legs, and it gets all nasty, and you think, man, I don't like this at all, I don't want nothing to do with that, that's disgusting. You jump back up in the boat. Well, you're back out a few days later and you're real hot. The sun's beating down on you and you think, man, that water looks really good and it's so cool and I better be so refreshing. And you think for just maybe a moment, you think maybe that seaweed and you think, yeah, but it feels so good. What do you do? You jump back in. And then you remember why you didn't like being in there to begin with. You know what? That's what's wrong with Christians today too. They forget where they came from. They forget how much seaweed and how they got entangled in the world and how horrible it felt and how it made them feel about themselves and how it wrecked and ruined their homes, their families, their marriages and everything else. And they forget about that and they just say, I'm going to go for the plunge. It's so cool and refreshing and I know it's going to feel good. But they forgot how it really was. Boy, a change took place the day you got saved. Don't you dismiss that change. Don't you act as though nothing happened that day. Because if you were truly born again, my friend, there was a transition and a change that took place in your life. A spiritual inward change that took place. You may still not have any better looking body than you did before. You may not be uh, any different physically than you were. But my friend, inside you're a new creature. There's something brand spanking new about you. Now, in this passage that we're reading about in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, But behold, I show you a mystery. You can't explain it. Stay up all night if you like. You'll never figure it out. I'm telling you, we shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die, but we shall all be changed. What's he talking about then? He's talking about a physical change then. See, a spiritual change took place the day you came to Jesus Christ. You were placed into a spiritual body. You became a spiritual being, complete in Jesus Christ. 
but it, the return of Jesus Christ, you're going to get a new body. That sounds good too, don't it? Yep. Now, some of us don't mind ours. It's in such awesome shape. But most of you, <laughs> I mean, who are we kidding? Wouldn't we all like to have a body with no pain or suffering or not have to worry about getting colds and the flu and everything else that goes with it? Wouldn't that be nice? You know, Kelly over here with his trigger finger, you can't point at anybody anymore. You got all these problems going on in our world, you know, and it's like, are you kidding me? Well, we have a new body. It'll fix all that mess. Boy, what change. We see change spiritually whenever we come to Christ, but we're going to see an amazing physical change when He returns for us. Hey, behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He goes on now to talk about the time of this change or how it goes down. He says, in a moment, in a moment. Now, for our children, that's not very, that's not a very, you know, they don't like that. They come running up to us and they're like, hey, mom, 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 dad, dad, dad. And we're like, in a moment. And they're, But that's not really the emphasis here. The emphasis has to do with time, right? In a moment. It's not going to be long, he's saying. But hold on, he he kind of defines it even more. And now he gets even more specific. Not only is it not going to be long, but watch this. He goes on to say, in the twinkling of an eye. Jack Van Empey was a well-known a preacher and expositor of the, the, the book of Revelation years ago, even back in the early 50s, he was uh, getting into the book of Revelation. And boy, I mean, he was talking about the return of Christ all the time. And he was a pretty popular figure. He was very fundamental in those days. And he defined the twinkling of an eye as 11 one hundredths of a second. I have no idea how he did that. I don't know if he was, I, I don't know, I don't think he's a scientist. And I don't know if anybody can ever really tell me exactly what that is, but all I know is, is this. I don't think he was trying to be funny or cute. I don't think he was trying to be deceptive in any way. I think he was trying to point out how unbelievably fast this is going to take place in our lives. You know, we look at salvation sometimes and we talk about that first change. And we look at it and we say, okay, I've invited Jesus Christ in my life. And if we're not careful, we buy into, whether we understand or not, this idea of a process that's taking place. That the change is over a lifetime. It's going to take a lifetime. I'm not going to argue or dispute the fact that he began a good work in us and will perform until the day of Jesus Christ, that there isn't change taking place. But friend, salvation is instantaneous. It's a twinkling of an eye. When you come to Jesus Christ, it doesn't take more than a, and it's done. It's done. In this case, it's a twinkling of an eye. Now, Again, I can't say that he has any scientific proof of how fast it is, but at any rate, it's super fast. 
And he goes on to tell us now when that thing, he's saying the time of it, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and he goes on to finally say, at the last trump. He's not talking about Donald. And he's talking about a trump, you know, a, a trumpet. At the last trump, and a trumpet will sound. If we'd go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you needn't do that, but let me read it for you. Verse 16, the Bible says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Man. You're going to hear a trumpet. You know, those Israelites, they would gather together at the sound of a trumpet. They'd be brought together at the sound of a trumpet. And here we are, the body of Christ, being brought together in the sky by the sound of a trumpet. It's time to get together, boys and girls. It's time to make your way into the, 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 the host, the heavenly host. Come on now. Everybody's gathering finally. Talk about universal church. There it is for the first time. Doesn't exist on earth now, but it will exist when we all get together one day. At the feet of Jesus, it's going to be wonderful. The last trump. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead shall be raised, the Bible says, incorruptible. Raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. There's going to be a resurrection that day. The resurrection of the dead in Jesus Christ. All those from the last two millenniums are going to be raised when that trumpet sounds. There in the grave were simply rotting flesh that ultimately returns to dust over time. But when that trumpet sounds... We come up complete and anew. You say, ah, come on, explain it. It's a mystery. But then again, God only created the universe. He couldn't do that. I mean, you know what I mean? If we really believe that God created all things, if we believe that He can save a soul in the twinkling of an eye and ultimately call us up with a new body the same way. He can't bring to pass what is already decayed. He says, oh no, I'm going to do it all right. You're going to be raised incorruptible. Incorruptible. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 53, it says, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. Not only will those in the grave be raised changed, but those who are still alive at His coming will also be changed. We know that they're going to go forth from the grave first, the Bible says. We're not prevent them. It means that they will not go before them, and then we'll follow them, but they're going to be changed, and so will we, that are still alive and remain. 
The mortal body is corrupted with sin, which means it's going to die. But this mortal must put on immortality. So yes, those that die and now are being corrupted in the ground are going to come forth incorruptible. But we that are mortal today, if Jesus returns, will put on immortality. A new body, not tainted with sin, no longer corrupt. What is the outcome of this change? How's it all pan out? Well, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and 55. That's where we've been kind of focusing. Let's finish this out. It says here, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. So when those that come out of the grave that were turning to dust now come forth with a new body, They're incorruptible, and those that were mortal on this earth are now immortal going up in their new bodies. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The ones in the grave can't stay in the ground. O grave, where is thy victory? The live man or woman goes up without dying, and the dead man goes up, and the grave can't keep him down. You know, there was a time when Mary and Martha had some trouble when their brother died. Remember that situation in chapter 11, verse uh, John chapter 11? Martha went to see Jesus. She says, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And he said, my brother shall rise again. My brother's, your brother's going to rise again. And Martha said, I know he'll come up again in the last day, the last resurrection. The general judgment is what she's talking about, of the unsaved dead. I know that he's going to ultimately be raised is what she's really saying to Jesus. And Jesus said, Martha, you, 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 you got this thing all wrong. You, you, you're, you're mixed up. Let me help you here. I am the resurrection and the life. And he that liveth and believeth on me shall never die. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Man, let me tell you something. Even in the passage there in chapter 11, we see two classes of people. Those that believe on me shall never die. Well, there we are. We're still alive. And though he were dead, there's the second class, shall he, yet shall he live. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of life. There it is. You believe on me, you're never going to die. You know what? Those that are believing in the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns, they'll never die. But if they are dead, yet shall they live. So John chapter 11 includes both resurrections. The resurrection of the living and the resurrection of the dead. You know, like me, you've probably stood over many graves. It's a sad time. It's horrible. 
But you and I can literally say over that grave, if our loved one, family member, friend knew the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't keep him down. You can't keep him down. Oh, you can have him for a while, but he's coming back up. And let me tell you, it's going to happen. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The grave can't keep them. They're coming up. Tom Malone, years ago, he was a pastor up in Michigan, built a tremendous work up there in Pontiac, Michigan. God used him in a mighty way. He told the story of a little boy who had gotten saved, and he began to witness to his daddy. Just a young little fellow, I mean young. And after hearing it a while, his daddy told him to shut up. I want to hear it. The little boy began to cry, and his daddy wanted to know what was the matter. The little boy said, well, daddy, if Jesus comes, you're going to be left behind. Daddy said to his wife, who's been giving that kid that garbage anyway? She said, well, down at the church. So you tell them to shut up with that stuff. You can't go back there anymore. After about two weeks, he heard the little boy and his mother praying. There they were beside the bed, and the little boy began to cry as he prayed, Please save Daddy. Lord, please save Daddy. So if the Lord comes, we'll all go up together. And upon hearing that, his dad stormed into the room and forbade him to go back to that church again, ever again. But to no avail, that little boy and his mother went on praying for the Daddy. They just kept praying and kept praying and kept praying. That particular man ultimately went away on a business trip. While he was gone, right in the middle of a big sales conference, some particular hotel, he kind of got up from the table and he looked around at the other fellows that were with him. He said, fellas, I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I'm losing my mind. He went back home. You know what? He got saved. And he went down to that old church And guess what? He got baptized. When he was getting ready to be baptized, the little boy wandered up onto the platform right there in front of everybody. you got to understand, this is a big church. And the little boy kind of meandered his way, walked right up on there while Daddy was coming down in. And he he knew Dad would be up there, and he made his way to that platform. And as he made his way onto the platform, some of the people kind of chuckled and laughed, thought it was rather cute that the little child had gone onto the platform, even though they knew you don't go on the platform. And the Daddy went under. And then he came back up out of that water. That little boy turned around to the congregation. He said, Now if the Lord comes, Daddy won't be left behind. If Jesus comes, we we won't have to leave Daddy behind. I wonder if the Lord would come tonight, would you be left behind? I wonder 
there a husband or wife, your husband or wife, that would be left behind? Mom or dad? Child? We've got a lot of work to do, don't we? The Bible says, therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. He says in chapter 15, Behold, I shew you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. The rapture. The disappearance of the body of Christ. That's the mystery. And not, neither you nor I can explain it, really. Oh, we can talk about it, and we know it to be truth because the Bible teaches it, but we can't explain it. We can't fully understand it. You can stay up all night long and try to figure it out, but you can't, you won't. God says it's a mystery. We shall all be changed when the trumpet sounds. May God help us to remember where we came from. One, to never go back to that place. And two, to try to bring as many with us to the new one. Father, we come to you. We thank you again, Lord, for all you do for us. Lord, help us, Father, not to be tempted to go back, but instead to take others with us. Lord, we need you tonight. We pray that, Father, you would be exalted and magnified in this place and in each of our lives. Lord, there might be family, friends, or loved ones that have yet to settle their soul salvation, and, Lord, if you would return, they would be left behind. We don't want that to happen. Father, may we take them to your throne of grace. May we pray for them. And then, Lord, maybe giving opportunity, give us opportunity to talk to them about Jesus and to even make opportunity so that we can take them with us. And Lord, may we never go back to the world. May we never allow ourselves to regress back to what we used to be because we're different now. We're, we're new creatures. We're, we've been changed. Lord, help us, Father, just to live the, the life of change. And as we said, Lord, take others with us. We need you now, Lord. Bless us in this time of invitation. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye.